1: G. Make
2: some noise! Oh.
0: How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. He was a valuable player during the Giants' very first Super Bowl championship season. I'm talking about the little big man out of Syracuse University, number 20, Joe Morris. And I'll be talking with Joe about his brilliant career in both college and the pros, plus the current Giants and the NFL playoffs. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, like I said, he doesn't need any introduction to any Giants fan, that's for sure. Number 20, little big man for the Giants, Joe Morris, who joins me now. Joe, thanks so much for being here, my friend. Oh, Thanks for having me, Ron. Well, Listen, Joe, there are so many things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about the current Giants. I want to talk about you and your brilliant career, both in college and uh, the pros. But let's first start off with, since you're a— terrific running back let's start off with the terrific running back that the Giants have right now who better to ask than you your assessment after watching him for one full season because I get I'm fortunate enough to get to sit next to you during all the games in the Giants press box you tell me what you think of uh, Saquon Barkley and did the Giants make the right move picking yes uh Saquon Barkley and not a quarterback
2: well the thing came down to it comes down to this uh when they made the selection of, of Saquon Barkley, I was excited. I was excited because of what he had done at Penn State. And he's lived up to more than that. When you can get 2,000 yards from one player, both receiving and pass catching, it, it, means, it, it, it means you have something very special. And you can rush for 1,000 yards and you and you catch passes for another 1,000 yards. You've done something very wonderful. Very few people have done it. You know, Marshall Falk, uh and, and you know and yeah Damian Thompson those are those are you know those are guys that there there are a couple other guys who have done this too but remember when you can get that production from one player it's it's a great it
0: was, it was a great move to take this guy uh and he's the only guy who did it as well I shouldn't say he's only the third guy to do it as a rookie behind uh, Eric Dickerson and Edgerin James
2: right and and see and see here's the thing this guy is, and, and and Russ he was special from the first preseason game that we watched together this guy, yep. <laughs> i mean he he made a move got outside and was running down the sidelines. and i said to myself oh my god he is truly talented and he has a you know he's a great upside um and you know and, and here's the thing they struggled at the start of the year as a team but as he you know if he's got it going and, and get things going eli started throwing the ball better and it made everything better for the team. And with having him as part of your focal point, when you have that, when you can get Ingram healthy, you can get Beckham Hurst, you can get Shepard and you can get, you know, your, your lesser pieces when you have you, – you've seen what you had with, you know, with, with the other Shepherd coming in and stepping in and then right. Corey Latimer stepping in. Those guys will do something. If we can solidify our offensive line and get ourselves – we can protect Eli or wherever the quarterback going to be for next year – it's going to make that a more potent offense, having that many weapons in there for Eli or the other quarterback, if that's what they, that's what they choose to do.
0: All right. So, so, so let, let me ask you this, because in our many conversations, I, I don't remember who said it to you, but I remember you told me somebody, I don't know if it was Parcells or Tom Coughlin, somebody said to you um, something to the effect of, you're too quick for what you do. And uh, I don't know who that was, but, you know, you know, I've thought of that comment many times, Joe, because I wonder, is it still a learning process for Saquon because of his quickness? And, and you know, sometimes I'll see him jitterbugging behind the line. If there's a critique, maybe that's it. And, and it's also, I guess, finding confidence in that offensive line. But does that make sense? The term? It, it,
2: it does from this standpoint. When you're always going and pressing things as fast as you can becomes a problem when sometimes you're not letting the block set up or read the way they got to be. Maybe he felt like he had to do that. Maybe he didn't. But here's the thing. As I started playing and playing the game of professional football at this level, first thing I had to learn was patience. And you had to know what the offensive line would do. And, and the key thing you have to know, where your protection is coming from when you see people are blocking back to try to protect you, trying to create a lane for you to run in. That's where they want you to be. And That comes with coverage. You start thinking about coverage defenses that you're playing against. You're playing a four-three or a three-four, four-three or three-four. What defense you're playing? Who you're seeing? What players you do? What they do? What they? What your offensive tackles want to do? What they would try to do when a guy puts his head on the outside of them? All that comes into play. Listen, there's not much you can teach Saquon Barkley because he has a natural talent to do wonderful things when he runs the ball. And he can make people miss and he can make he can run people over, he can go over people if he has to. He can do things that a lot of running backs who've played here have never been able to do. So he is that talented. But if he can get a little bit more help and get a little bit more pushed where they're knocking people off the ball where he can find a natural lane for him, it's just gonna make his career even that much more better.
0: Did you have to go through I I, I listen, you were part of that horrible first year with Bill Parcell's, what was it, three twelve and one? uh in in 83 uh you know and then you really started to get the ball well you started for eight games in in 84 uh and you gained 510 yards uh before you break out you're in 85 but did you have to go through that process of what what he's going through or or went through certainly in particular the first half of the season with learning about your offensive lineman
2: well, I think that for me, it was different from this standpoint. Remember, we had drafted the number, number one running back, Butch Woolfolk, from Michigan. Right. And I had to wait for my opportunity to play. Now, when my opportunity came, when Butch got hurt, uh, I took full advantage of it. But, you know, I'd been watching our offensive linemen. I'd been watching them in, in, in practice, and i had seen what they were capable of doing. Then I started having conversations with them and, their, and, and the coaches that were coaching them and, and asking them about what they were trying to do on certain plays and why we were going about it. When I was at Syracuse and I used to play for Tom Coughlin, he used to say, Joe, you have to know what all the defensive players are doing over there. You have to realize how they're going to try to attack the running game and how you're going to see it. So you've got to be prepared. But, you know, what if the fullback has to go inside because the tackles guys running away from him? You know, and, and, and playing at, 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 in college, you learn things and people who teach you that thing. And I think the thing that I'm grateful for is that I played for Tom Coughlin at Syracuse. And it was all the variables that he put into your mind to make you think about certain things. And, you know, he'd say, Look, Joe, you need to know what the backside X has got on this play because what if you have to go in and play X? Or you want to know what the Z is doing on his play, if what's his name? Then you have to understand the passing game, what we're trying to do. If you're going at seven, if you're running a seven yard in, Joe. And at a 15-yard in coming in. We want to hit the 15-yard in, so we want to use you to attract the linebacker and create a hole, so we can get the ball to the guy at 15 yards. That's how you do that. And so when I first got here, Russ, that's the first thing that I really finally I said, okay, that's why Coach Coughlin was teaching me that at Syracuse. I'm here to distract the linebackers, keep them on me, so we can hit the 15-yard in, as opposed to throwing a seven-yard in. Mm-hmm. 15 is a first down seven you can, You have to run and get the first down but hey if they cover that 15 yard end they know you're going to get to the ball and you have a chance to run if you're at seven you can get the 10 too so that's what you keep keep the offense running
0: what was tom your um was he the running backs a coach for you at syracuse or offensive coordinator what he was the offensive coordinator and he coached the running backs and the quarterbacks.
2: so it, it became it, it became something where i'd watch and i'd see things you know, Russ. I, when I first got to Syracuse, I, you know, I was playing. I came from a, a four-point stance team. I went from that to, you know, playing, you know, in a in, in a in a eye back situation or you know a split back situation where I got just one hand down. Okay, all the things you can see from your position are there, but my first meeting with Tom Coffin, we went in and we had a discussion about defenses that I was seeing. He could look. You don't seem to recognize what I'm saying. You don't seem to understand what I'm saying. So he's going to teach me something. We had an hour and a half, Russ. We, we had an hour and a half, Russ. Now, it's not between classes. My freshman year, I'm 17 years old. He puts on the film, we watched 15 plays in that hour and a half because we watched everybody on the defense's first step. Then we started talking about what the offensive players should have been doing at this, place, at this point and how do we attack that and how you, where do you think your lane is going to be if you see this. Now, Russ, the first time he did it to me, I had no idea what he was talking about. Now, as he started to just continue to keep this going, I started understanding what he he was telling me. Now, Russ, at the time, I thought it was worthless information. But here's the thing. It wasn't because he was teaching me how to look at defenses, how they were attacking you, and know where the natural holes are and where your protection is. If you have a double team, that's a natural place where you can get protected at. And so it, it just started to come together, and you know, and and my football key grew playing for Coach Coughlin.
0: Well, it, it certainly, it's good to know, Joe, that Tom Coughlin hasn't changed one bit when it comes to attention to detail. Because for all, uh, you know, all the years that I've known him, you know, here as the head coach, he was the ex- exact same way. Be- before I get into more of your, your um, time at at Syracuse, which is. Not good. It's just a brilliant, brilliant career. I, I do want to ask you about Eli because, you know, you know what they say. Everybody's got, you know what opinions are like. Everybody's got one. And uh, everybody, more than everybody, has one on Eli. You and I sit and we watch the same thing. Your assessment of Eli. Now, listen, the Giants aren't listening to me and they're not listening to you. But, you know, I believe Eli should be the guy still here next year. Obviously, he's closer to the end than the beginning. We all know that. But let me hear what Joe Morris has to say on the issue.
2: First of all, this is one of the greatest chances ever played. And I think that if you look at his production, at the, at the, at the second part of the year, what he's able to do, throwing the ball the way he was doing it, and doing things when he's able to stop right. Okay, now, Russ, I'm going to be honest. He does, When he first came into this league, he had veteran players in front of him who were in their positions for three and four years. They were there. They were growing together as an offensive line. They put this offensive line together, brought in Nate Soldier this year. They put in Wheeler for the first time. And and this is a totally different thing. we got a rookie playing at one of the, one of the guard spots. So, you know, you lose this. Yeah. So you have all these things going on around him. And then you expect him to be Eli Manning from the Super Bowl years, when when Eli went Manning from the Super Bowl years, had a veteran up, you know, David Deal was there for a number of years. Rich Sharp was there. Sean O'Hara was there. You, you, those guys were there, and they made it easy for Eli because they protected their quarterback. This team has not had a chance for that offensive line to solidify and do the exact same thing. So any quarterback that, st- that steps into that spot next year is going to have problems with that thing. But it'll be better because they've had a year together. Now, this is the second year of that. So think about this right here. If we get the same play we did in the second half of of this of next of next year, in the first eight games of the year, we should be seven seven and one, or or, or six and two, or somewhere around that way. Mm-hmm. With Eli as your quarterback, because here's the thing, he can make the throws. You know that. He can make the reads. He can do that. But we needed to know our office of line was there. So when people give criticism to Eli, you know, I, I, I understand it's closer to the end, and I get that. And you have to prepare for your future. Now, drafting the quarterback, yeah, that would have been one thing. But still, you would have missed on on Mr. Barkley. So that's where it becomes a problem for some people because they they're thinking Eli's here. If he plays one more year for us, what are we going to do? So the Giants have to plan for that. And they mm. have to make a decision about how they're going to go about that. But for, by a player, by just Eli, he did exactly what you wanted him to do, and he played very well. Think about the Washington game this year, the way he played down there. And people thought, well, no, they're going to go down there and get killed. Didn't. Because Eli showed up, did his job, the way he was capable
0: yeah. No, I, l- l- listen, I, I agree. And, you know, my gut feeling is that they're not, they're not going to my gut feeling is, you know, people are talking about, oh, Nick Foles or, or Bridgewater or somebody. Uh, my gut feeling is they wouldn't do that simply because if you bring in somebody like that, the first time Eli throws an incomplete pass in practice, it creates a controversy. And, and I know the Giants don't want to do that. I, I know. listen. Whenever the end comes, they want to make sure it's done right. But I, I, I believe, if, if gun to my head today, and I could be wrong, number ten is your starting quarterback at the be- beginning of next season, and uh, uh, they'll they'll look for a guy to be the future, or you know, hopefully, to be the guy to be the future. But but having said that, let, let's go back to Syracuse University. You know, I, I don't think too many people realize this. I'm going to throw out some names for the public who are listening to this. Jim Brown, Floyd Little, Larry Sanka, three Hall of Fame running backs. Then, of course, you know, uh, he gets lost because, uh, you know, God took him far too soon to leukemia, the great Ernie Davis, who... um, you know, was the number one pick overall by the Cleveland Browns, and Ernie Davis. Not only that, the first African American uh, to win a Heisman Trophy. But with all those big names, Little Joe Morris is the all-time leading rusher. With all those running backs, the all-time leading rusher at Syracuse University. I, I mean, Joe is as, bef- as far as forget your 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 pro career. That's got to give you goosebumps, because you know what, pal? It gives me goosebumps thinking about that. And you're only five foot seven. <laughs> okay, Russ. Let, let's start here. Uh, <laughs> you know,
2: I, I am extremely humble by the fact that I sit where I sit at Syracuse University in that great group of running backs who played there. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you honestly, Russ. The first time I knew that Ford Little, Ernie Davis, and Jim Brown had played there is when someone told me. <laughs> and, and and even funnier than that, they gave me a brochure when I got on the plane and I'm flying back. Now, I'm going to also tell you this, Russ. That's the first time I ever flew on a plane flying from Boston, Massachusetts to Syracuse, New York. Right. I had a combination weekend. I went to Boston College on Saturday, went to Syracuse for, for Sunday and Monday and came back for Tuesday to go back to class and play basketball. So, that that weekend I went to Boston College and Syracuse both, right. and it, it was just a weird thing. But when I got that brochure and I looked at it, and I started reading and I started looking, I said, Sam Brown played here. Oh my God! For a little, I knew who he was from playing for the Broncos. Larry Zonka, I used to love the the Dolphins, so I knew who Larry Larry Zonka was. And you know, I really was in love with that team and the, and that whole you know Don Shula, 17 and O team. I was really in front. Of but then you read, first African American and Trophy winner, Ernie Davis. And that was the guy that, that really, you know, made me start thinking. I said, you know what, this is something, you know, this. Is something. I said, and they want me to come there and play running back. Now, uh, now Russ, I'm going to tell you, and, I'll, and I'm going to be honest, I had no idea about what was going to be there, what was going to happen. I didn't know what my teammates were going to be like. Uh, I had the good fortune to have a conversation with the great Art Monk, who's a Hall of Fame NFL player, college Hall of Fame too. And I just I I wanted to ask him some questions about. I said, Art, how do you take the hits you take at this level? Because you know I'm in high school. I'm 17
0: years old. I'm I'm, I'm watching, you know, I'm seeing tape of this guy, and I know he's their guy. And how, how, how? Excuse me for interrupting. How much did you weigh? I I you know as a giant, what what'd you go around 190? Yeah, 190. Okay. What, what what did you weigh coming out of high school? 170 pounds soaking wet. Okay.
2: Uh, now I had never seen a, I, I, well, I had, I had seen them at gym, but I, I was uni, using a universal training machine and you know, the stack was 225. I did 225 pounds. I could pick that up. No problem. I could do that. And I could do this, the leg press and all that stuff on the universal machine, but I had never seen a free weight, never, you know, had never had any weight training premise. I had the combination. I needed to have speed and I was nasty. And that's the one thing you gotta have to play in Massachusetts, 'cause you gotta, you know, you gotta go out there do things. And like I said to my coach, I said, "Look, I got things I gotta do." I said, "Look, I got three younger brothers. I'm supposed to blaze the trails for them, so that's what I'm gonna do here, and how I'm gonna go about my my career in high, high school." And when they came to recru- recruit me, it was funny. They were at another school, and and, and the recruiter from Syracuse came in and said, "Hey, uh, you know what?" Uh, there's a kid he's he's kind of small but she should you know Syracuse people you gotta you got go by and see him and Dave Zuccarelli pulls up to the to the thing a week later he and Coach Maloney show up the head coach at Syracuse at the time and he says to me he says son I think you can be able to play at the next level for us at Syracuse now okay I, I'm in my mouth so because I'm thinking I'm going to University of New Hampshire I'm going to but UMass, I'm going someplace close, Boston College, maybe somewhere like that. Syracuse was, the, you know, that big fish. And I said, okay. And then when I, I flew there for that weekend, Russ, I'm thinking, okay. After I seen it, I said, oh, my God. How the hell do I, at 170 pounds, do anything like these guys? Because, you know, I knew who Jim Brown was. And, you know, even from his career as an actor, you know, I looked back at some of the records he'd had. And, and I, I, but I'd never seen the word Syracuse. I, I've never seen that. And you know, and, and then, like getting to, to to university when I got back, I started doing some research with the library, got some books on Syracuse, and I said, "Man, that is pretty cool yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and 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 what was funny is like someone said to me, "You know Joe, what's your plan?" I says, "Well, I'm going to go to Syracuse. I'm gonna get a degree in four years because if I don't, my father's gonna be there. stepping in my face, and, son, you wasted your opportunity by not taking advantage to getting getting your education." Why are you here to play football? He says, What's your plan, Joe? I says, Well, if I gain 1,000 yards in four years, I'll be happy. Because if these guys played at this level and they gained this many yards, I said, oh, The record here is 2,000, 2,981 yards right now. Hmm. I, and that's I planning three years. Now, I, you have to remember, back in the day, the freshmen weren't eligible right. to play. And, you know, and I, I knew that. And, and And what's funny is, like, as I'm going through the records, I'm seeing, you know, I'm, I'm seeing things later. Tom Coughlin played before little. so yes, I, you know. This,
0: yeah, right. So I'm seeing all
2: these things and all these things that keep coming back to me. And, Ross, for me, it was a challenge. And I said, I, I, I want to go there. I want to see if I can play. And here's the thing. I think I, 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 I'm going to say this, and I don't want to be in, the, in modest, but I'll, I'll say this. I think my mom believed in me. I think my dad believed in me. I think I believed in myself a little bit because I had some confidence in myself, but that was about it. I'm not sure anybody else thought, but, you know, Dave Zuccarelli took the chance to try to get me to come to Syracuse, and I I did. And then when he got there, I said, Coach, he says, Joe, I want to explain. You recruited here. You're here to play. He said, now, look, we brought in uh, eight running backs, including Greg Fruitt's cousin. I said, okay. He says, and uh, some of the guys are going to play defensive back because they you know, can't really play offense. So he says, we're going to get a couple opportunities in training camp. I said, okay. He says, you're probably going get, to get, get my first team defense, and you might get crushed, Joe. I go, okay, whatever, coach. And I watch, and I watch how things are going around. i seen some guys and this and that. And I just, just kind of say anything. And, and, you know, I didn't really – I didn't – anything loud i just kind of kept you know kept to myself my first opportunity came when you know we're running an option with the backup quarterback he flipped through the ball i go 75 to the house and people look at me and go you know that was our first season defense he just did that too so i come back we do the, we do run the same play run a, a, the same play to the other side go 50 and the head coach looks over at tom he goes tom uh what team is Joe on? He says, well, he's fourth team. You know, he's working, you know, working in with that group there. with trying to work some guys in there. And Frank says, yeah, yeah, we may have to talk about that, Tom. And, you know, <laughs> and he, says, he says, you know, you realize that the guys we have out there are our best defenders, right? And he's running past them. Do you understand that? And, and so here's the thing. It's like, and Russ, this is my first crisis as a, as a player at Syracuse. Some guys see this and three guys quit. Okay. I never had a teammate quit, so it was, you know, hard to take. And I've seen guys walk away from a team, but a guy quit because he said, and I, and I asked, and I said, "Art, right, what's the course going on?" He said, "Joe, let me explain. You're going to play, and they realize that, and they're sophomores and juniors, and they're not going to play, and that's going to be a problem for some of these people. And you know, and and, and we recruit running backs every year, Joe, to replace and, and to add to what we have in terms of depth." And I really felt bad about that. I really felt bad about that because a guy is on scholarship at my university. He's leaving because, you know, I'm there. And and, 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 and the best way I can explain it to you is Coach Maloney said to me, he said, Joe, I know you're concerned about your teammates, but I need to re- worry about this. We have to be out and put a product on the field that can win, and you can help us do that.
0: Well, four thousand two hundred and twenty but what is it, 4229 yards later the all-time leading rusher having your number uh your number 47 retired i mean that that's a whole lot to be proud of my, my, my friend but okay so you leave you end up leaving Syracuse you get drafted um in the second round i think it was 45th overall as you said Butch for Butch Woolfolk was you know the the um, Giants first round pick and then you, you you really start to get your chance in 1984. Uh, what Parcel You know, it, it strikes me because the reason I love, you know, we become friends, but, I mean, I get a kick out of you because you're one of the few football players. I used to say this to Touchdown Stephen Baker. Uh, I like being able to look a football player eyeball to eyeball because we're the same size. <laughs> but, but I know Parcells... You, you know, like, like Parcells, because I, I remember him with Dave Meggett. And, you know, people used to say, yeah, well, play Dave more and this and that. And Parcells was, I found it to be gun shy with, with smaller running backs. But apparently, well, listen, obviously you made a believer out of him, but was there a point where Parcells was concerned about your size? You know what's funny about it is, Russ, right here. Okay, so, you know,
2: you get to hear, they draft me here in 82, so I, I come down here, and I'm down here for two and a half years playing, you know, doing whatever I can. Now, in preseason, you know, you get to play, and, you know, you don't play your best people all the time, but I get to start a game. I'm Happy about that. I'm really happy about that. I, I, my production is there. I'm doing this and doing that. I'm looking at what I'm doing. I'm looking at other players, what their production is, and I'm saying to myself, okay, I'm doing my job. I should be playing, and this player is ahead of me because they decided he's ahead of me. And I said, okay, I'm good with that, and I've got to accept that, and this is the pros. I remember, you know, after my experience at Syracuse where I started out where I did, and I got myself up to a point, I said, okay, I'm just going to keep myself ready. In 84, when I got the opportunity to play, and I ran for the 500 yards in the eight games, someone asked me, said, so Joe, do you think you're going to rush for 1,000 yards had you had the other eight games, too? I go, I said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be cocky, but I, yeah, I think I could have got a thousand yards, and and you know, until and, and you do it, Russ, it doesn't really matter. Right? And Talk's cheap. Talk's cheap, and you got to do it. But you know, it, 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 but here's the thing: I said, it, you you think about it. A guy said to me, he said Joe, did you not know that you should have been playing? I go, I said, no, no, I had an idea. I said, but here's the thing: it, I'm not the person who makes that decision. That's the coaches. I said sometimes the gentleman I said the coaching staff, and they know what's going on. I said when I started playing, I said we started to win games, we started doing some things pretty good. I said I was happy with that, um, you know. I and and that's what you have to look at it, with Russ. And I I used to remind myself of this right here. In '83, and, and when I got, you know, we played. We, we played the first year here. We were on strike, so it was you know five, nine games or whatever. Here it comes around. Uh, last game of the year in '83, I got to play against the Redskins. They had to give up on 100 yards at RFK Stadium. I rushed for 100. I rushed for 118 yards down there. So we, you know, we stay in the game all game, but we end up losing, and it still doesn't help. But I established myself. I know I can do this. Okay, I can play this game. I'm just waiting for an opportunity now. And that's what I'm waiting for now.
0: Yeah. Well, um, you, 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 you go ahead, uh, Joe and you start those eight games, and like you say, 510 yards, okay? But then in 1985, you really become a focal point of the Giants' offense. You gain uh, 1,336 yards. Uh, obviously, Parcells had to say, you the man, Joe. Well, what happened was Butch got traded. Uh, now, Russ, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to
2: stop you there by saying this right here. We, 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 and when we traded Butch... To Houston, we drafted George Adams to replace him. (laughs) So someone said to me, I was training at the alt weights. He said, Joe, you got rid of one. You got another one to deal with. I go, yeah, I know. And my thing with George was this right here. I was going to treat him in a fashion with respect and help him with anything he needed to have. And this is what I said to him. I said, look, I want to explain this to you one time. I'm here to help you. I will never lie to you. I'm going to make sure I make you be the best player you can be because I want to be the player that's on the field, that this is my team. This is how I'm going to go about this. I said, if you want to play, this is how you're going to have to go about it. And I said, George, I'm going to compete against you. I'm going to fight like hell because I don't want to sit on the bench anymore. I'm done with this. And so the idea that I was going to sit on the bench again just did not sit well with me. Right. I was always mad, always, always upset. And he used to ask me, he said, well, you know, Joe, uh, you know, what, what about George? I go, well, George is here, and I'm playing. So, you know, what,
0: what do you want me to say? Yeah, You, I, I think it's fair to say most small guys, and I mean this, I'm not saying it in a joke, most small guys in the NFL play with the chip on, on their shoulder a bit, and, and, and you did. And I think that's natural because, pro- forget the pros, you were probably told, from the time you were playing Pop Warner, that you were too small to play. Fair enough to say. Fair enough to say. And you know what's even worse? Your mom says to me,
2: "Did you not stand next to that number sixty-three doing the doing the games, Joe? He's just too tall to you for I go, "Ma, that's my offensive tackle. I love Carl Nelson, but he is tall, Ma. But I can't get him in the spot because that's where I got to stand. That's where the running back stands." And like, oh, she says, "Well, Joe, could you could you kind of get closer to get on the other side of Sims and maybe you know you look like a receiver?" I go. Yeah, no, ma. I, I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna stand where I stand. I'm gonna be good right where I am. I go, ma. I'm gonna say this to you, and I want you to think about this, us. Ma, I'm ten feet tall when I'm out on the field. I said, I don't worry about my height. I says I have advantages being at this height that I can take advantage of. And and Russ, when your center of gravity is lower, you can do things that sometimes a bigger running back can't do. I'm less exposed. I can make plays. Do the things I need to do. And I I just found that how I prepared myself in going for that. So, you know, I, I get to Syracuse 100, 170 pounds. I put on 25 pounds of muscle while I was there, and I got stronger, I got better, and, I, and, and you know, I became faster, stronger, and better. So when I got to this level, I had, all of that was in the play. So that all became a part of how I did. And, and the thing I'm most proud of this is this Russ, here, Russ this way. We brought in Tony Galbraith to be the third down back because everybody said, you know, Joe, you're going to be a great third down back. I said, no, I'm not third down back. I'm the first, second, and third down guy. I'm I'm your goal line guy. I'm your short yardage guy. That's what I do. I said, I don't want to play third down back. They got Tony Galbraith for that. And, you know, Dave Meg was in that, 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 that thing where he was a third down back where you could make people miss and do great things. I says, that is what Dave Meg does. Me, I run between the tackles, and that's what I do.
0: Yeah, well, you, you, you certainly did it very well in 85, 1,336 yards, 86, the Super Bowl season. 1,516 yards. Then you go to 88, uh, 1,083 yards. I mean, that's, you know, pretty impressive numbers. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Joe. Did, uh, didn't did Rob Carpenter uh, kind of take you under his wing in 84? Yeah, he
2: did. And Rob used to say to me these exact words. He said, you know, Joe, I need to get out there. I need you to run as fast as you can to the sidelines. I want you to cut back. I need you to make plays because what I do is I make sure that I can I, use you, you such defenses for me so people are running outside and trying to stop those plays. We, if we do well running the ball, running the ball to the outside, I'm going to be able to have cutback lanes that are going to be available to me, and this is what I am. Rob was such a good guy, and he was such a giving person where we talk about plays. He said, Joe, you got to be a little bit more patient on these plays. Some of these plays take more time to develop. He says, he says now, look. I'm not going to tell you the, the linemen are going to have their blocks every time. Sometimes you're going to have to run some guys over, run around some guys. You're going to have to do some things on your own. But if you do and know the, the blocking schemes and you know what we're trying to do, you can find creases in the defenses and you can make plays. And Rob was such a great guy at that. So when he said, when he said that to me, I just really felt good about it. And, you know, I got to be good friends with this man, and he taught me an awful lot about the game, about how you go about it. You know, and, you know I got here in 82. I got to meet one of the first-round draft picks, you know, Mark Haynes. Mark Haynes, he said, Joe, I want you to listen to me. First thing you're going to have to learn when you get here, you to have to learn how to watch film on your own. And he says, and you have to know your craft. He said, if you don't know your craft and you don't know how to do your job, you're going to have a problem. He says, this is what I mean. You have to know why. Things are happening to you, and this is how you figure things out. You watch film. You learn how to do that. Now, somebody would say, you know, Joe, I heard a lot of times you were, you were struggling to stay up. I said, I get here every morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, so I can watch my tape on the big projector. I don't want to watch it at home. I don't want to watch tape. I said, the moment practice is over, I want to go home. I want to watch it in the morning when I get here early so I can do my job. I can lift my weights, do everything I'm supposed to do, then I want to go home and relax. That's how I, that's how I, that's how I kept my life together. But you come to work and that's how you do things and that's how you want about it. And Marcus used to say to me, he said, Joe, you're a professional now. This is not this is not high school. This is not this is not college. He says, the person who taught you how to watch film, which is Tom Coughlin, and to see things that way and to know what to do, what everybody's supposed to be doing on the routes and what they're supposed to do, that man gave you an invaluable part of the game that you're gonna have for the rest of your life. That's something that cannot it, 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 it can't be transferred unless you want it to be transferred into your brain. Because here's why: you have to think about what you're doing, and you become a thinking man's player. And you don't. It doesn't. It doesn't prohibit you from doing things, but it makes you realize why things happen. And you know, for the first time, like I used to say to guys all the time in the huddle, I said, "Look, you have the Mike strong. You have the Mike. You have the Sam, and you have the and you have the strong safety. If two of those guys comes, you got to stay in the block. Understand?" And, like, if a fullback didn't know what I was saying, he said, Joe, why do you always say that to me before we get out? I said, I want to make sure you know who the hell you're supposed to block. Because if a quarterback gets hurt, guess what? It's not going to be my guy that's going to hit him. It's going to be your guy. Because I'm not letting it happen. Well, I'm in there because, trust me, that would be, he's too small to block to pick up the blitz. If you can't pick up a blitz, you can't play in this league.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let, let, let me ask you this. Before I get to the, the, the Super Bowl run uh, in 86, what was it like, Joe, because you you have that big breakout year in 85, but then the Giants get their, you know, shorts blown off uh uh to the Bears mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs. What was what kind of feeling was that? Because obviously, you know, you guys thought you were pretty good. Was that like a big time wake-up call? Or how how did everybody react to that? I think it it, it shocked us.
2: They they had dominated the way they did. It made us feel like we thought we were tough, and we thought we could go out and physically just play with anybody. The Bears showed us there was another level we needed to be at. Okay, now Russ, for me, <laughs> I started training.
1: <laughs> I started tra- I started
2: my training a couple of weeks after that. I started you know getting to the gym, just riding the bike, right. you know, for an hour hour and a half, just. And thinking about that game and thinking about the things that went on and thinking about the things that could have happened had we done some things differently in that game. And, you know, the Bears won the game fair and square, and, I, and they did a great job. But here's the thing. How they won, Russ, was they intimidated us by, you know, saying stuff and just, you know, you know, trying to rough us up and do stuff like that. You know, a guy would catch a ball, and two guys would come in and just, you know, lay, lay, the, lay the lick on him. And our guys, you know, they weren't used to these guys yapping the whole time and this and that. And I said, look. I don't give a damn about anybody over there. I said, I don't care. I said, I know Mike Singletary. I know he's a great player. But, hey, what? Guess what? I play for the New York Giants. I play I play with two of the best linebackers that ever going to play this game, and Harry Carson and Lawrence Taylor. So don't tell me about what Mike Singletary is. I don't really want to hear that. <laughs> I said, my job is to do what I have to do. I said, we got to block those guys, and we'll do this. And, you know, we had some plays that if we had made against the Bears, it would have changed the outcome and got us a little closer. We still wouldn't have won the game, but – it gave us a point to focus and get ourselves ready for the next year. And that was the thing. After we got beat in, in in, Soldier Field, the thing was, we tried to get a home field advantage so we play all our games at home. And that's what one of the goals we had as a team, to get all our home games in the playoffs at home. Therefore, then, then everything, then the elements that we play in, we will we'll know those best. And that was that team's motto. And that's how we went about it. And, you know, we used to – and I used to say, look, uh, and, and it was funny. A couple years ago, before that, after the 84, after the 84 season, Phil Sims and I got together and he said, look, we need to push our offensive linemen to go strong, get stronger and better. He said, that means you have to, we're going to have to work out with them. We're going to try to embarrass them, make them do things, get those guys to understand. Now, we're trying to make them better because here's the thing. Phil says, I'm going to remind you this, Joe. You go nowhere if your offensive linemen can't block anybody. If you're stronger than your offensive linemen, Joe, it ain't helping me or you or anything. And I started thinking about it, and I said, okay, I get that. Because here's the thing. Think about it, this way. If I just went, to the, went down to the giant stadium, worked out by myself, went home, okay, I'm ready to go. But if my teammates are not as strong or not working the way thing I am, they see me working like a dog, it, it just brings camaraderie by doing that. And see, that team that was so great about it, this right here, I would talk to, okay, I would talk, we're running to, if we're running to our left, I would talk to Brad. And Billy about what they were seeing and what they what they were facing. I also talked to Fred Holt. Fred, I said, Fred, I said, look, you know what this is. What's going on with these guys? If they're blocking it this way, we can get this play to work because we can do this. Now, strong side, you know, I got Carl Nelson and and I got and I I got Chris Godfrey. I'm talking to them about what they're seeing and what they're seeing from their players. I know what they're seeing. I know what the center is seeing. I know what he's going to do. I said Bart, and I know what Bart's going to do. So I got an idea. So, listen, you got Zeke Moore or Mark Barbaro blocking for you. You know what the tight ends are going to give you. So, I had a really good idea about what those people are going to do in front of me. But after, when 85 came and we lost the Bears like that, to a man, I can tell you, I I had four or five guys training with me every day. We would get together and run together, and and running heels, running hundreds, 200s, 400s. It was about getting ourselves back to a position where we were in control of everything. And, they, and the Bears, as great as they were, made us a better team because they beat us the way they did.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. They must have did something right to you in beating you that way because you come back the next year, and then after you finish the regular season, as you were saying, boy, a complete turnaround. Uh, the first game against the 49ers, the first playoff game, 49-3. to three, You whoop them you rush 24 times, 159 yards, uh two touchdowns, then you blank the redskins 17 nothing, 29 carries, 87 yards a touchdown, and then in the big one, Super Bowl 21, 39-20, I mean 20 carries, 67 yards, another touchdown, 313 yards in three playoff games with money on the table. I mean, when I called you the little big man, I uh, I mean that in the most uh, complimentary way. I mean, that's pretty impressive, my friend. Pretty darn impressive. But the the one thing that I always get a kick when we're sitting in a press box talking, and, and <laughs> that was initially my first thing. I says, "I got to get I got to get Joe on with me, talk because you know, like like when you hear Lawrence Taylor. I remember Lawrence was was asked a couple of years back." I think it might have been Chris Collinsworth asking him, uh, "What what do you think of the way defense is played today?" And LT goes, "Is that what they're calling it? (laughs) Playing defense?" And then I'd sit with you and you know watch the tackling or the lack thereof, and and you know you would shake your head. What do you think of the way the game is played today? And and, or maybe I, I better to describe it this way: the lack of Fundamentals, because I don't think while the athletes, in a lot of ways might be better and bigger and faster or whatever, I think they lack some of the simple fundamentals.
2: Right. And if you' were for me, the game has changed in this way. Guys are worried about the big hit instead of tackling somebody, wrapping somebody up, doing their job. you know, that, that playoff run in '86 was very impressive. Now, I'm going to start there. and think about the 49er game. We win the game that way. Now, remember, we played those guys in a regular season Monday night game that year, too. They helped me to, to, I guess, 14 yards. And Parcells, that week before that game, needed an offensive line. He says, 14 yards. The guy rushes for 1,500 yards this year, but, geez, he gets 14 yards against the 49ers. I'm telling you, I got an all-pro running back, but, man, he can only get 14 yards against the 49ers. Do you know how much that got on their nerves to hear that over and over? And over, us, So that's the first thing you've got to realize. So the first time I got the ball, I got 40 yards for a touchdown. Somebody said, well, you already got more than 14 yards, so that, that's a good thing. And it, it kept rolling and kept rolling. And, and here's the thing, Russ. That was a team that just got mad about that. Because when we played the 49ers on Monday Night Football, we, went, we, win, the, we win the game uh, in a dramatic fashion. But here's the thing. It just kept us, it kept us rolling, kept us doing what we had to do, and we kept getting better and better as a team. But at, by the time that, that divisional playoff game started, I, I felt bad for the 49ers after a while because it, it, got, it got over really quick, and it was over quick. And, and, and our defense was just there all game long. And that's what Lawrence was talking about because when he says, that's what you're calling that now, we used to dominate people. and hit, We hit the quarterback and he'd be done. And, when, and, when Joseph, and, when, and here's the thing. And you know, I, you know, and listen, Joe Montana. When he got hit that game by Jim Burt, I mean, that was it. You know, and their backup comes in, and and you know the backup's not the guy. He's not took all the snaps. He doesn't know all this stuff. And here's the thing: when we played, it was a little different. Quarterback must go down. He must go down hard. Right. And it was, it was, it was legal, and it was right. What when he got hit by Jim? Because it was nothing cheap, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing hurtful. But here's the thing. Everybody knew the backup was not the better quarterback. Because if he was, the, he was the backup, he was the backup. He was the backup for a reason.
0: Yeah, well, and you, you talk about it hits uh, Jim Burt. Then, then you, I go to the next Super Bowl uh, when uh, – excuse me, not the next Super Bowl, the um, NFC Championship game in Frisco when uh, um, Lennon Marshall nailed uh, – the <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and see, nail and, and see, Montana exactly.
2: And see what it is if if and if you take starting quarterback out, and even though you call got a quality backup, Steve, y'all go on the sidelines. If someone is not taking all the snaps, he doesn't see all the things he's seen. And as much as you prepare your backup quarterback, your number one guy is going to do that. No team does that where they give their first and second team quarterbacks the same number of reps. Now that would be revolutionary. But why would you do that if your starting quarterback? And you have a good offensive line like the 49ers always have. That's what you do. You put your starter in there and let him get ready to go. And, you know, and I think about that. And, like, and someone said to me, he said, Joe, and, and he, says, he said, Joe, how bad was it? I said, Look, he, Parcell started the week off. Okay, by the way, we have an all pro running back playing for us, and he's got his guys in front of him. They're called Club 13. He got 13 yards. Oh, by the way. He had negative yards up until he ran for an 18-yard run, but net he netted 13 yards for the night. So we would call club. He called the offensive lineman "club 13" for a week. Now I'm telling you, Russ, if someone says that to you for a week, trust me, that gets on your nerves.
0: Wait, I, I'll tell you something about Bill. This is the one thing. I you know this guy's the best. That guy's the best. That's always debatable. But I, I've been around. You know, especially in this town. Uh, you know parcells, coughlin uh in 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 football uh I, I've been around uh let's see Pat Riley in basketball and 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 Chuck Daly you, you know a lot of Joe managing baseball you know Joe Torre I always felt that Bill Parcells was the great the best button pusher of them all he just knew how to take the the needle and get you going
2: yeah you know, we are playing the same Bay Buccaneers one time, and he says to Lawrence, he says, Lawrence, you know what? I, I'm thinking who you might be better than you. Lawrence goes, what you talking about, Bill? <laughs> you know, and he, okay, the poor quarterback over for Tampa Bay goes down four times. Lawrence runs <laughs> him over a couple times. I'm looking, I'm thinking, you yeah, think Hugh Green's that good. Hugh Green's very good, but I don't think he's that damn good. And I'm going, man, I go... And I, and like, I used to watch stuff. And, and, like, and somebody said, so what do you do when Lawrence is up? I said, I said, most of the time I'm sitting down. I said, but after that game I had to watch. And I and I see Lawrence just run over somebody. I go, okay.
0: <laughs> That's it. Listen, uh, Joe, th- this has been great. But before I, I we, we sign off, I got to ask you, because everybody's got opinions. We just got through the wild card weekend so uh, it, it's set for next week. Let me just go over We'll quickly run down the four games and tell me what you think. Uh, Indy going into Kansas City to play the Chiefs. It's going to be an
2: exciting game. Um, the Chiefs defense is going to have to show up and do something against Andrew Luck if they're going to have a chance to win because it's going to be a high, it could be a very high-scoring game if the Chiefs defense doesn't show up because if they don't, it's going to be a problem. The Chiefs have the ability to play defense, but the question is... Can, you know, can you stop Indianapolis if they have all the weapons going? Now on the other side, Indianapolis has the same problem. Yes, they can get they can get there, but Patrick Mahomes can make plays with his arms or his legs. So this is going to be a great game. Looking very much forward to this game. Um, you know, and it's just it's sad that one of these teams is going to, have to go go home. And and and, and this would be a great, great AFC Championship game if that that was the case. If they the Patriots hadn't done what they did, but. You know, this is going to be a great game, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing both teams play.
0: Yeah, this, I, I tend to agree with you on this one. I, I, I can really see Indy. I'm not saying they're going to because uh, it's a tough call, but I can see Indy going in and doing something. That's not to take anything away from the Chiefs. I just think Andrew Luck, after almost missing two years, I mean, he is all the way back. Right now he's as good as anybody or and better than most in, in the NFL. All right, let's go to the uh, Saturday night game which is your favorite team, or oh, excuse me, least favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys going into L.A. to face the Rams?
2: Well, the Rams are that team that everybody was talking about all year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Jeff Goff does. Now, I, I also want to take, take a step back here. Patrick Mahomes in a regular season is one thing. I want, to, I want to remind you that this wild card weekend, we had rookie quarterbacks in a lot of different positions. Trubisky struggled. Watson's struggled. And 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 when you struggle with that posi- at that position when you have a rookie quarterback, I'm I'm wondering if Pat Mahomes is going to struggle. But going back to the game you're talking about now, going back to the Cowboys, you know it, it's going to be an interesting game uh, this week. In and, and Russ, I have to say, you know, I'm not a Cowboy fan, so <laughs> I you know I you know I'm seeing what, whatever it is go from there. I'm going down to New Orleans. If New Orleans can play defense and keep Ezekiel Elliott from getting going.
0: No, 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 no. It's the Rams. Rams. We're getting oh, ourselves okay. confused here. Okay.
2: You're right. You're right. It's okay. the
0: other. The, the New Orleans is going to face the other team you were so endeared to, the Philadelphia Eagles, but we'll get to them in a second. <laughs> okay. So
2: with the, with the Rams, this is what it is. Okay. Can, can the Cowboys keep Aaron Donald off of yeah. Dak Prescott? Because the Rams defense has been, been phenomenal in most games this year. And if they play the way they're capable of playing, they can stop Ezekiel Elliott and they can make this happen. Jeff Goff, rookie quarterback, making his first start in the playoffs. And you know, that, that could be something that's, that's there. Cowboys have enough good enough defense where they can you know, cause some problems for a guy who's just in his second second year playing quarterback in this league. Got to see what he's going to get from Goff. Goff's got to come up and have a big game, make his receivers be do the things they've been doing, and Gurley's got to be the running back that they've always had. It's going to be a great game, and, you know, I, I'm rooting for the Rams because, you know, I can't root for the Cowboys, but it, it should be a very, very good game. You know, the the Cowboys have the ability to do some things defensively as well as offensively with their offense, and they get them that tight end. They're working him now. It gives them more options, but, you know, if you don't stop Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, and, and Aaron Donald will try to go wild against the Cowboy offensive line because they're still banged up, so... It's going to be a very good matchup. I'm looking forward to it, and, you know, I'm going to be rooting for the Rams. But, you know, it could be a very good game.
0: Yeah. Now, the the one that intrigues me, let's move to Sunday real quick, uh, Chargers-Pats. To me, this one, I could see the Chargers going in. I I, I could really see the Chargers taking care of business. Again, you've you, you still got to beat Tom Brady and the Pats, but uh, – you know, the one thing Brady doesn't like, he doesn't like being roughed up. So, uh, and I, I think their defense has the capability to do that. Your thoughts?
2: The thoughts are this right here. Julian Patriots are a very tough team to go into their home and beat them there. It's going to take a, a hurtling effort by the Chargers to get that done. And Philip Rivers is going to have to make plays all game long for them to do this. Uh, their record against the Chargers against the Patriots is not very good, but... You know, it, it, and and what you said, Russ, it's just right here. Philip Rivers has got to be saying to himself, this is my time. Mm-hmm. It's got to be about this right now. This is my best opportunity to get to a Super Bowl. This is how I got to do it. I may have to go through Kansas City or somebody else, but I've got to get this done now because I've got to get this monkey off my back. I've got to beat Tom Brady and his team. Uh, the Patriots, but with Bill having a week to rest this guys, get them ready, get them set, you know they're going to be ready for ready for everything that Rivers does, and you know it, it, can they get enough from Melvin Gordon to to make the Patriots have to have to play the play pass? Because if they can get that play action going, and you know Ontario Gates is a great tight end, mm. he's come back in this league, and, and and people are saying, well, he he might want to play another year after what he did. I saying, no, if they get to the Super Bowl, I not think he'll be done, just like everybody else, because it's time to move on if you can get that Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. And finally, finally, this is the one that uh, I, I think you'll agree with me. Uh, maybe you won't. This is the one I, I just can't see the Eagles going into uh, uh, New Orleans in, in their building, in the Superdome, going ahead and, and you know, beating the Saints on their home turf. Uh, your thoughts?
2: It, it's going to be a difficult task to do that for the Eagles. Yep. I that. like Doug Peterson. I like the way he calls games. I like the way he brings things in. But I've got to give the advantage to. I got to give the advantage to Drew Brees yeah, and uh, Sean Payton because they're at home, their defense has played well enough in games where people didn't think they could do it, and they were able to do it. But the question is just right here: Can Philadelphia stop the New Orleans the New Orleans offense? And you know, you're using a quarterback to, to to add some different thing, another quarterback to help Brees out in certain situations. Your running game with the two running backs they have. You know, New Orleans has done some wonderful things this year with the offense, and they've tried to diversify and do some, certain things. But it's going to come down to Drew Brees making plays against the Philadelphia defense. And, you know, for a long time, think about this. I thought for a second, for a second, Chicago could close them out. But, you know, you got to get pressure on foes. And I think New Orleans will realize that. you got to get pressure on them. Because you can't rush three at the end of the game like – you know, like like Chicago did. You got to rush this guy, and you got to get him off that spot. You got him do that, and I don't think they did that enough on that last drive for the Bears, which is why the Eagles keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, and and listen, as they say, you still got to dethrone the champs, and and you know it seems that Mr. Foles has a little bit of magic. But uh, listen, you had a lot of magic in those legs. You had a brilliant career with the Giants. You had a brilliant, brilliant career at Syracuse, Joe. Uh, I'm proud to call you uh, uh, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. You're welcome, man. All right, folks, that's a wrap. I want to thank Joe Morris, of course, and I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. Now I'd like to get a load of you. You can let me know your thoughts on my conversation with Joe. Uh, you can contact me at Twitter at, uh, at Russ Salzburg or on Facebook. You can also check out my uh, logs on my website, real simple. It's russsalzberg.com. My thanks to the big man across the way taking care of me, Crash, a.k.a. Mike Caragnano to uh, my OG podcast uh, network producer, Tim Einickel, the 77 WABC program director, Craig Schwab, to assistant 77 WABC program director, Matt Dahl. And last but certainly not least, you guys and gals out there, because without you guys and gals, I'd have nobody here to talk to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying bye-bye, so long, and farewell.